Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. As a park ranger, I had grown accustomed to the rhythmic sounds of nature, the rustling leaves, the distant calls of animals, and the gentle flow of the river. However, on this particular morning, an eerie silence settled over the woods, raising the hairs on the back of my neck. Something felt off, but I couldn't quite put my finger on it. As I followed the trail deeper into the forest, I stumbled upon a clearing that sent shivers down my spine. There, scattered amidst the trees, were remnants of tents and camping gear. Abandoned. It was as if the occupants had vanished into thin air. 
I called out, but only the echo of my own voice responded. Frowning, I examined the area more closely. Strange symbols were etched onto the trees, unfamiliar to me. It was then that I began to piece together the puzzle the inexplicable disappearances, the mutilated remnants of the campsite, and the haunting symbols all pointed to a force beyond the realm of my understanding. Driven by curiosity and a sense of duty, I delved deeper into the investigation. I scoured the park's historical records and consulted with local historians, desperate for any clue that could unravel the mystery. It was during my research that I stumbled upon an ancient Native American cryptid named the Wendigo. According to the legend, the Wendigo was a malevolent spirit that roamed the woods, possessing those who succumbed to the darkest depths of hunger. It was said to be a cannibalistic entity, its insatiable appetite driving it to consume not only the flesh of humans, but the very essence of their souls. As the pieces of the puzzle fell into place, a chill ran down my spine. The Wendigo, a creature of nightmares, spoken of in hushed whispers around campfires, was now more than a legend. It was a living, breathing terror haunting Pinecrest National Park. Determined to put an end to the malevolent creature that plagued the land, I armed myself with knowledge and a resolve that belied the fear simmering within me. Night after night, I patrolled the park, searching for signs of the Wendigo. Strange occurrences became my new norm ominous shadows, disembodied whispers, and the constant feeling of being watched. One fateful night, as the moon cast an eerie glow over the forest, I encountered the Wendigo. Towering and grotesque, it emerged from the shadows with eyes that glowed like burning embers. The stench of decay hung heavy in the air as it unleashed a bone-chilling howl that echoed through the trees. My heart raced as I faced the embodiment of ancient terror, Armed with a sense of duty and a shotgun, I confronted the Wendigo, only for him to suddenly disappear once I shot him in darkness. He let out a spine-chilling scream and dissipated into the shadows. Afraid, I stood amidst the trees. The once haunting silence was somehow changed. I can't explain how. All in all, that's my encounter. You can believe it or not. I don't care. I had been living in this house by myself for a few months, and it wasn't long before I started to notice some strange occurrences. Every night at precisely 10 p.m., I would hear the unmistakable sounds of cat toys, like the jingling of bells, followed by footsteps in the living room. It was unnerving, to say the least, and I made it a habit to lock myself in the bedroom each night to avoid any potential encounters with whatever might be lurking in the shadows. As a naturally paranoid person, I was always sure to lock and bolt every door in the house whenever I arrived home. I couldn't shake the feeling that something wasn't quite right, but I had no choice but to carry on with my daily routine. One evening as I was getting ready for bed, I heard a series of loud, heavy footsteps outside my room, followed by what sounded like a door slamming shut. Fear gripped me as I hesitantly turned on all the lights in the house and ventured out to investigate. My dog was in the living room, lying on the couch and staring at me with an unnerving intensity as I discovered that the front door was wide open. Panic set in, and I couldn't help but feel as if someone or something was toying with me. Whenever I shared my experiences with others, no one seemed to believe me. They dismissed my stories as the product of an overactive imagination but I knew what I had heard and seen. 
It wasn't until my boyfriend spent the night at my place that someone else finally witnessed the strange phenomena that plagued my home. That night, as we lay in bed, my boyfriend heard the familiar sounds of footsteps and what seemed like dog paws in the living room. He initially brushed it off, assuming it was just my dog wandering around. But when he realized that the dog was fast asleep beside us in bed, his skepticism turned to genuine concern. The incidents continued to haunt me for the duration of my stay in that house, and to this day, I still can't fully explain what was happening. The memories of those eerie nights remain etched in my mind, serving as a chilling reminder that sometimes, the unknown can be far more terrifying than anything we could ever imagine. When I was eight, I had one of those life-size rag dolls with yarn hair. One night I woke up, and she was waving her arms around while placed on my beanbag. I know it's not malicious, I know it sounds crazy, I know it sounds like I was dreaming. But I wasn't. She was moving around all by herself. To this day, I don't F with dolls. Edit. So when I saw her moving, I got super scared and hid under my blanket for like 10 minutes with my heart racing frozen in fear building up the courage to run out of my room. Eventually, I ran out of my room to get my parents, whose bedroom was downstairs, and my dad came and got the doll and put her in the living room. I was too scared to sleep in my room, so I went to sleep in my brother's bed, which I would do when I had bad dreams and stuff. We heard farting and magazine pages flipping, and at first thought it was my dad. It was like 4 a.m. at this point who just couldn't go back to sleep. But when we were yelling out for my dad, he didn't answer. So we were like, oh my God, it's Samantha the doll. Since I was with my big brother, I was brave. And we started shouting at her from his bedroom, saying we weren't scared and we were going to kill her and all this El Mal. I was so traumatized by this living doll, though, that my parents brought her to my Nana's house. It was a Christmas gift from a family friend that I didn't want to get rid of because I felt bad and didn't want the doll to come back and be mad at me. But I would go for sleepovers at my Nana's multiple times every year, and when I would go, she would take the doll out of the playroom and put it in the back room and lock the door. It was always so hard to fall asleep, but the dog would always sleep with me, which would help. Fast forward when I was 15 and having a ton of mental health issues unrelated to the doll lol, and a new med ended up making me have some paranoia and see a few things, including a little girl a few times. My aunt was upset over my struggles and hearing the little girl visuals, she went to my Nana's, took the doll, and burned it in the backyard to end my fear of it once and for all. So that's the full story and what happened with the doll. I really hope this doesn't get buried. I swear on my mother's grave and my future children's graves that this happened. When I was around the age of 16-ish, me and my younger sister, 12, were sitting at the dinner table alone. My mom had just left the house after she had served us our dinner. She served us fish, something we really hated. We were sitting at the table just miserably staring at our food, not talking and reluctant to eat, but knowing we had to or else our mother would get angry at us. It was a small square table near the entrance of our apartment and my sister was sitting to the left of me. Across from me was an empty chair. All of a sudden, the chair across the table from me started rocking back and forth, pivoting from the back two legs of the chair. I initially thought that my sister was rocking the chair with her foot, 
It was the only logical explanation. I turned to my left to see if I noticed any movement from my sister. She's just staring at me with a serious expression, and as still as a rock, absolutely no movement from her. The chair, however, is still rocking. It doesn't get more cliché than this, but I got up and started to lean down to see what was moving the chair, and of course, the chair stops moving. I have asked my sister every year since then if she was lying about not rocking the chair, and she has not gone back on her word to this day. So ghosts exist, I guess. Edit. I know some people are downvoting because most paranormal ghost stuff is cap. But to be honest, even after that happened, even I had a hard time believing it happened myself as weird as it sounds, and I lived it. There's no just no other logical explanation to explain why that happened. That wasn't the only time weird shit happened in that apartment, either so I honestly wasn't surprised at that point. It just wasn't as clear-cut like that before. So, a little bit of background, I am from Spain, with family from Italy. This story is 100% true. Me, my dad, and my brother are all three familiar with camping, nature, etc. We don't get scared easily, and we aren't really superstitious or whatever. Also, excuse me for any grammatical errors I might make in this, English is not my first language. Now the story. This happened in 2010, I believe. I was eight years old then, and we were on summer vacation in Italy, in the region of Tuscany, where some of our family is from. We brother, dad and me were hiking in the country, far away from any towns or any other form of big civilization. We were not very familiar with this route though. All of a sudden, we stumble across what looks like an abandoned Tuscan farmhouse, not very big though. We all look around and yell asking whether there was someone. It looked very abandoned, the door was missing, plants all growing over the place. Safe to say, no one lived there. So since we love adventure, and it didn't seem like a bad plan to do with two children, we decide to take a look at the place. As we are going to enter the house, out of nowhere comes a barn owl flying out of the house. It was dark in there. So we had a quick scare, but nothing too bad. It's just an owl, right? Now we enter the house, and we just find the typical stuff you would imagine to find when you're in an abandoned house. Cutlery and plates on the ground, a candle, some old paintings, nothing really valuable, though. Now we see an old wooden ladder that leads up to a hole in the ceiling. It was not a very big hole. My father couldn't fit to give you an idea. He is like six feet two, and so since I was the oldest of the two kids, I would go up and tell them what I saw upstairs. Now I went up the ladder and got in a room, where I could see barely because the windows were covered with wood boards, so I could make out some stuff by a few sun rays that would get in through the gaps. I could see graffiti signs typical for an abandoned house right. And I saw another room, so I told my father and brother that I would advance to there and see what was up. As I opened the rotten wooden door, I immediately stood still. A disgusting, rotten smell penetrated my nose. I almost had to throw up. I wanted to know what caused this bad smell. Then, in the corner of the room, I could make out a sillhout. I got closer to investigate what it could be, and I could barely make out that it was the lifeless body of a dog, a big dog. And spicy detail, the body was skinned. No fur, nothing. Just pure rotting flesh in the shape of a big dog. I don't remember how long I just stood there frozen. 
but I woke up from my shock with the screams of my brother, because apparently the barn owl had gotten back inside the house, and it almost hit him. So my dad yelled at me to come back and I gladly obeyed. When I got back downstairs I told him what I had seen, and the look he gave me was that of a man who is scared to shit, but doesn't want to admit it in order to not scare his young kids. He just got close to my ear and whispered to run. We ran out of that place and never got back or even close to the route leading to it. Now it might not be very scary compared to other stories on this page or very backwoods related, but I thought I'd give it a go since someone said they wanted to hear stories from outside the Northern American sphere. It was still in the country part and there were woods around it though. I am sorry in advance for my English. As a veteran who has driven extensively in Iraq and Kuwait, I have seen my fair share of accidents and tragedies on the road. One incident that has stayed with me was the sight of a decapitated man lying on the side of the road. He had been involved in a racing accident and his head was propped up on his stomach. It was a gruesome sight, but unfortunately, such incidents were not uncommon in those parts of the world. In another instance, I witnessed a woman leaving her car running on the side of a busy street in Kuwait City with her two toddlers inside. I couldn't help but feel anxious about the potential danger they were in. One wrong move and they could have easily ended up as roadkill. These are just some of the many incidents I have witnessed while driving in these regions. It's a sobering reminder of how dangerous the roads can be and how quickly things can turn tragic. It's something that has stayed with me and I am grateful for every safe journey I have had since then. I had always been fascinated by the stories my Native American friend, Tall Bear, would share with me about the legends and myths of his people. As a lover of the outdoors, I would often join him on his expeditions into the wilderness, seeking adventure and learning about the ancient traditions and beliefs of his tribe. One day, Tall Bear invited me to accompany him to a remote area of the forest where he had discovered something unusual. He had found a 25-30-foot section of barbed wire fence knocked down, and one of the goats from a nearby farm was missing. Intrigued, I agreed to join him in investigating the strange occurrence. As we made our way through the dense forest, Tall Bear shared with me some of the eerie stories of unknown creatures that were said to roam the land creatures that defied explanation and were deeply rooted in his people's folklore. Upon reaching the site, we found the goat lying on the ground with a broken neck, its bowels missing, and its tongue sticking out. The sight was gruesome, and I couldn't help but feel a sense of dread wash over me. Tall Bear, however, remained stoic, carefully examining the area for any clues as to what could have caused such a horrifying scene. The next day, we returned to the site to continue our investigation, only to find the goat's lifeless body hanging over a low tree limb. As we carefully inspected the surrounding area, we discovered enormous 16-inch tracks leading away from the scene. The tracks were unlike anything we had ever seen before, and we couldn't help but wonder if we had stumbled upon evidence of one of the unknown creatures from Tall Bear's stories. Determined to learn more, we decided to follow the tracks deeper into the forest. As we ventured further, the air grew colder and a sense of unease settled over us. We couldn't shake the feeling that we were being watched by something unseen, something lurking just beyond our line of sight. 
Despite our growing fear, we pressed on, driven by our curiosity and the hope of discovering the truth behind the mysterious tracks and the fate of the unfortunate goat. As we delved deeper into the heart of the forest, I couldn't help but feel a newfound respect for the ancient stories and wisdom of Tall Bear's people. The unknown species we were tracking may have been the stuff of legends, but our pursuit of it was as real as the ground beneath our feet. Whatever we would find at the end of the trail, I knew that our journey together had brought us closer to the mysteries of the natural world and the secrets of Tall Bear's ancestors. And in that moment, as we stepped further into the unknown, I felt a profound connection to the land, its creatures, and the rich tapestry of stories that had shaped the lives of generations before us. I was tree planting near Smithers, British Columbia, about an hour and a half into the mountains on dirt roads. I tried my best to just forget this incident even occurred, as I simple could not find a way to rationalize what happened. I don't care who believes me or not, by the way, but what happened is this. It was almost midnight and I was trying to sleep in my tent. My tent was near a bunch of standing dead trees that would creak when the wind picked up. A very loud and distinct sound. Now on this particular night, it was dead silent and still. I started to hear sticks cracking and steps being taken that slowly got closer over the course of about 15 minutes. It was loud enough I was certain there was a bear approaching my tent. It got so close that it had to be no further than 15 feet from my tent. Cracking sticks and padding around the forest floor. I decided to yell out very loudly. Silence. I was answered with nothing but deafening silence. No sound of the creature fleeing or doing anything at all. I sat in silence to scared to move, trying to rationalize to no conclusion. About 20 minutes of dead silence later, I heard the eeriest, unnatural, and unexplainable noise. It was the exact same timbre and volume and just basically the same sound as the trees outside creaking. But instead of being a regular creak it began, and then held the exact same note of creak for a full five seconds or even longer. It was like an unnatural drone that was obviously not a tree creaking. There was not a hint of wind or any other trees creaking as per usual. I got barely any sleep and the next day was tough, and I just had to forget about it. I didn't ever make the connection that skinwalkers are known to imitate sounds like that until a few weeks ago. This happened in July 2022. If anyone has had a similar experience or has any ideas of what this could have been, I'd love to hear. As of right now, the dreams have died down but this is something that most people don't believe when I tell them this. A few months ago, I constantly had extremely agonizing migraines followed with brain fog. This always happened at night from what I can recall, and there was always an ammonious mechanical humming buzzing over the roof of my house. After the first few nights of this occurring, it had occurred again, but this time I believe I had actually seen what the source of this sound was. What makes this more disturbing is that I lie far from any other airports that may be in a dozen kilometer radius of the area I live in. I saw this colossal triangular aircraft with three red but dim lights on its corners. There were green stroking lights on its sides and white lights around the center of the structure. It moved quickly but low enough for me to notice it. Sadly, I was too slow to capture a photo of it before it got out of view. 
After this incident, I kept having extremely detailed dreams about these strange aircrafts. One of which in particular was one of the most detailed ones. I was in my house with my mother and suddenly I felt the urge to go outside and look at the sky. I had my camera with me, and when I had walked outside, I saw this huge triangular craft. I took a few photos of it, and when I went back inside, time had seemingly accelerated from dawn to sunset. I woke up from that dream with a short, but excruciatingly painful migraine. The second dream took place in what looked like a UFO assembly line with some sort of gas giant outside a window in space or something. I was sitting in some sort of waiting room and a man dressed in what looked like some sort of spacesuit took me on a tour. I saw all sorts of UFO types, cross-shaped, dome, cigar, triangular, cube, etc. A few days after this dream I had seen the strangest shit I had ever seen in my life. I am sorry if my grammar is bad while writing this because I'm currently on mobile. I was standing outside with my friends drinking some Sprite, and an hour after they left, I saw this rectangular, dark metallic object with red lights on its corners hovering by the side of my roof. There was a glass panel on the side of it with something I can't recall what inside controlling it. I dropped my phone in horror before I could take a pic, but it didn't hit the ground. It felt like time stopped. I caught something moving in the corner of my eye. I glanced over to my left and saw this gray, cylindrical thing with contorted legs and a horn with a glowing end on what would be its face. The way it moved will haunt me for a long time. It was jittery but disturbingly smooth as if it was rotoscoped into reality. After that time leaped forwards, and it was as if I had been standing in that same position for an entire night. Walked in my house and immediately fell asleep. Tried to get my mind off what happened that night, but couldn't. I was not under any drugs or intoxication during this. I'm turning 30 in a few months, and I can still recall so vividly the three shadow people I encountered in my home somewhere between the ages of 8 and 12. A little background on me. I moved to a small town upstate, New York at around 7 years old. When this happened, my mother had recently just departed from my father kicked him out lol. My family had a weird vibe pretty much. I wasn't close with my older sister, and we were one year apart. My youngest sister I don't believe was born yet, so it was just us three and my mom. My brother had a best friend that lived up the street and I'd describe us as Ed, Ed and Eddie, lol just three young kids causing havoc around the neighborhood. Also if it counts for anything, we grew up very Christian family especially on mom's side, but when we moved we stopped going to church as often. One of my sweetest grandmother memories. I recall when I was young, before we would leave my grandmother's house in the city of New Arcaio, she would anoint us with oil on our foreheads and say a prayer before we left to go back home upstate. Anyway, I remember it being like any other day. We played outside, Game Boy Color or Advance, I don't know, traded Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh cards and just had fun all day long. We came in, showered and settled down. I guess it was probably summer when school was out because I was up late and my sister was too but I didn't know this at the time. My brother was knocked out next to me with his head facing the wall, and I was on the other edge of the bed with my head facing the door to his room, which was wide open. 
My brother and I were so close man, which explains why I was making myself comfortable in his room. It was pretty much a real brotherly bond, I would say, and I kind of get emotional thinking about it because nothing was ever the same since that day. Anyway, I'm laying there just trying to go to sleep, I guess, and I just get this odd feeling that I'm being watched. All of the lights were off, and we were no longer in a city environment where there is light even in darkness. Upstate NY is dark dark when the lights go out, especially in the house. From my brother's doorway, the hallway made an L shape. If you turn right and walk down the hall, there was my sister's room, also my room at the time, where you can go straight ahead towards the stairs. Obviously, I'm staring straight ahead towards the stairs. I'm staring now because I can't sleep with this odd F feeling. And within seconds, a tall shadow began to appear in the distance on the stairs, and it was freaky. Because man, you can see the outline of this thing in the pitch dark. Blackness. This thing was blacker than the blackness itself. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Self. And the eyes were the only thing that I could really see. His outline was tall, he had a tall hat, and he was just skinny with long-looking fingers. Now my heart is pounding, and I'm pretty much thinking WTF is going on. So I start blinking nervously because I didn't believe I was seeing this. As I blinked, the other two appeared closer than the last one. They were no longer on the stairs, but in the hallway. One wore a hood and carried what seemed like a stick, sort of like the Grim Reaper. And the other one was large, like wide and fat. The eyes were large and just gave me a bad up feeling. I literally laid there in fear and I tried to refrain from blinking at one point because it seemed like every time I blinked, they got closer. I promise you, the tears were flowing and I made the mistake of blinking and it was like they just appeared right in the doorway. And that's when I couldn't hold my fear in any longer man. I let out the most excruciating scream. I was scared for dear life. I felt like those things were going to kill me. I just started screaming loud and my mother was heavy-footed man. All I heard was her come stomping from her room at the end of the hall and into the hall. She flipped on the hallway light switch and came running stomping into the room. I swear it was like an elephant coming to save her baby man. My mom is such graceful woman I promise lol, but I always remember her being so heavy-footed when she would move around the home probably because she was often rushing everywhere. I guess raising kids will do that to you lol, but man that day felt like no other. She scooped me up and took me back to her room, and was just consoling me asking me what the hell happened. She was scared that I was scared, but I was out of it. It took me a while to calm down and explain to her what I saw. I wasn't only afraid of her reaction, but I was always a thinker back then and even now. I just thought at the time even if I told her what could she do. It's not like she could beat them up or something because I knew that whatever those things were just wasn't from this world or realm. It was really odd and terrifying, 
It had to be like two or three of them at the time, and I remember her picking up the phone and calling my grandmother who was and still is a hardcore Christian. She called and they spoke. I remember her trying to leave the room and I would squeal because I didn't want to be left without the lights on. Her room light was still off, but she ended up turning it on for my comfort and leaving the room to speak to my grandmother. She came back shortly after with what I perceived as a bottle of water back then, but as I know now, it was holy water. I watched my mother bless her entire room and then leave her room to run through the entire home and bless it too. I saw her splashing the bottle on the walls and everything. I remember sleeping in my mom's room for months after that. I couldn't sleep anywhere else, I was traumatized. I never saw those things again after that day, but I had some wild experiences in life after that. The oddest thing was that my brother slept through it all, not waking up once. Doesn't recall the day or anything. Since then, he's had so many hardships in life and has been in and out of jail and crazy outbursts. I don't know if it's connected, but I just felt a shift in his being after that day. The next day I remember having breakfast and my older sister asking me why I was screaming last night. Embarrassed off course lol, I told her what I saw, but I was shocked when she just stared at me and said, I saw it too. I remember thinking to myself, well if you saw it too then why the f wasn't you screaming? lol, but I never discredited her nor mentioned it again. She just turned 31 and I'm turning 30 as I told you above so I'm thinking about revisiting this experience by calling her and asking her if she remembers and I think it would be dope to get that moment on voice record. It's crazy because I recently revisited this conversation with my mother and she confirmed it all and was surprised I even remembered. I couldn't forget something that traumatic. Remember I told you my brother had a best friend that lived up the street and we were all like Ed, Ed and Eddie. Well, about two or three years ago, he came to visit me for an extended period of time. I was living in a TL with my girlfriend in our new apartment. I made him comfy and at home, obviously, because he's my brother too, just from another mother and father law. We then we started chatting about our childhood memories. Our adult relationship is completely different than our childhood ones. My brother and him are still best friends, but they are on two different paths in life. He now has a child and a long-term girlfriend. He moved across the country. He has a career and he's doing really good for himself. My brother is still navigating life, emotionally underdeveloped, I'd say, and a bit lost at the moment. So their relationship is more moral support, a friend that's going to always be their type thing, if that makes sense. Whereas him and I have the more difficult and in-depth conversations. I remember us talking about conspiracy theories, spirituality, political crap, our fathers being Freemasons and stuff like that, and it later led to talking about spirits and shadow people. I remember him telling me, man, just don't think I'm crazy when I tell you this, and then went on to tell me how he saw some tall figure in his house when he used to live up the street from me as a child. And for some odd reason at that time I asked him if the figure was a skinny guy and he said, skinny with a tall hat and long fingers. I swear we both had like a twin telepathy moment, and at that moment we both knew that we experienced one of the same entities. He told me his story, and I told him mine, and we both just sat there disturbed. It was weird and creepy, and even unto this day we phone each other up and talk about the crazy experiences we had, 
and are still having in this world today. So one night I'm driving home from a friend's place. It's pretty late, like two or three in the morning. I live in the suburbs and the streets are relatively tight, so I am typically driving pretty slow, don't speed in your neighborhood. Happy neighbors are good neighbors. I'm nearing the turn to enter my close, and from a distance I see what looks to be someone outside. Pretty unusual this time of night as it's all young families and retirees around me. As I get closer it's definitely a kid which is even stranger like doesn't this kid have parents. They're standing directly under the street light with a rain coat on not raining, and their hood up over their head, so that the shadow cast completely covers their face. I know my neighborhood pretty well, and while I don't know most by name, you know who has kids and who doesn't. This corner house 100% doesn't have any kids. That kid's gaze was locked onto my truck, unwavering, turning their head and staring straight at me as I slowly pass, turning right towards my house, this kid only a few feet away. This kid did a full 180 with their body and watched me drive down my street. While I only live six or so houses into the close, it's just enough I lost sight of the kid. It was super unsettling. I couldn't even quite explain to you the feeling I got from it. I back into my driveway, put my truck in park, think about what I saw, and say F it, I've got to check this out. Back into drive and back down the street, maybe 20 seconds tops since I passed and kids gone. Vanished. The roads are straight enough in any given direction that in that short amount of time that kid would have had to straight up sprint to stand a chance of being out of sight. F demon child is gone. I went home, parked quick and didn't take my time getting inside and locking the door. To this day, never saw the kid again or anything that's given me a bad vibe like that. Damned if I know what was going on. If it was a prank, hats off, you did a kid. I was a live-in caretaker for a 94-year-old woman with Alzheimer's for about a year and a half. She had moved into her daughter's home deep in the woods of middle of nowhere, Washington. Marie was prone to say weird things like that her sister deceased, mother deceased, and husband deceased were in the house or outside regularly. I had been working with dementia patients for a few years by this point, so it never bothered me. Marie was terrified of the woods. She would tell me about how there's dangerous animals out there, and I could get lost easily so I must always stay inside. She was also worried about her mother and husband having to travel through them. Again, this wasn't worrisome behavior given her health condition. I had been working with her for about six or seven months when I would start waking up to her walking down the halls in the middle of the night. Sundowning is fairly normal for people with Alzheimer's, so again I wasn't troubled by this. But she started going to a specific window and giggling, like she was interacting with someone outside the window. When asked what she was doing, she'd say my mother is out there. Kind of weird, but there's a different perception in her world now. One night in dead of winter, her daughter and I are awoken to the blaring of the house's alarm system. The daughter and I checked the doors and windows, none of which seemed to be disturbed or unlocked. The only thing missing is Marie. She is nowhere in the house. Panicked, I rush outside to find her while the daughter continues to search the house. No tracks anywhere, no disturbed snow, nothing. 
After 10-15 minutes of yelling searching the woods I start making my way back to house where her daughter was already in the process of calling 911. As I reproach the house I see Marie. Standing outside the window she normally stood at giggling. There's not a single footstep in the snow around her, nor is she cold to the touch. She's just standing there laughing at nothing, didn't even know she was outside. Her late night window visits became more frequent after this, but less happy. She'd get combative with the window and scream at whoever she believed to be there. Then it just stopped one day. One of the last conversations I had with Marie before she passed, she told me to not let them take me into those woods. I hope they didn't. Unfortunately, it's hard to explain. I was hiking down a trail with my dog in remote northern Wisconsin when I just got a weird feeling. At the exact same time, the heckles on my dog went straight up and he began acting really anxious. About the same time, I came into a clearing in the woods and got hit with what I can only describe as a sound wave. It was like someone was blasting a subwoofer right next to me, but there was nothing around. The nearest road was maybe a mile away. Something told me to get the fout of there, so I quickly turned around and hiked as quickly as possible the rest of the way back. I didn't hear that bass sound after I left the clearing, but I still felt like something was following me. The Alaskan wilderness has a way of swallowing you whole, embracing you in its icy grip and challenging your very existence. It's a place where only the strongest survive, where solitude becomes your closest companion. I'm Jack Turner, a rugged individualist who has carved out a life of seclusion in a rustic cabin nestled deep within this unforgiving landscape. My days are defined by the rhythm of self-sufficiency. Chopping wood becomes a meditation, each swing of the axe a reminder of my resilience. Hunting provides sustenance, a reminder that I am a part of this wild world. And the tranquility that only isolation can offer becomes my solace, my refuge from a world that seems to grow more chaotic with each passing day. As the days grow shorter and the winter months stretch on, the snow-covered landscape closes in around me. The howling wind becomes a haunting symphony, and the dance of snowflakes outside my window is both mesmerizing and isolating. I find comfort in the routine, in the simple acts that tether me to reality. But one evening, as the wind's howl grew louder and the snowflakes danced with newfound intensity, something shifted. I peered through the frosty window of my cabin and caught a glimpse of movement among the trees. At first, I dismissed it as a trick of my imagination, an illusion conjured by the isolation and the long hours spent in the quiet wilderness. Yet, as the days passed, I couldn't shake the feeling that I was being watched. Glimpses of the same dark, hulking shape appeared on the periphery of my vision, always just out of reach. It was a presence that seemed to defy explanation, a feeling that crawled beneath my skin and nestled in the pit of my stomach. I hesitated to share my experiences with the outside world. Who would believe me, a lone man living in the heart of the wilderness? But I couldn't ignore the unsettling truth any longer. I began journaling my encounters, documenting every detail, every chilling observation. My descriptions painted a vivid picture, a towering figure covered in matted fur, eyes that gleamed with an otherworldly intelligence, and a presence that sent shivers down my spine. As the creature's appearances grew more frequent, 
my skepticism wavered. My rational mind clashed with the inexplicable reality I was facing. The isolation that had once brought me solace now deepened my uncertainty. I questioned the very foundation of my reality, grappling with the idea that there was more to this world than met the eye. Desperation drove me to seek answers in the stories of native Alaskan legends. Tales of similar creatures that inhabited the wilds echoed in the back of my mind, offering a sliver of validation for the inexplicable horrors I had witnessed. A turning point came during a stormy night when the wind howled like a banshee and the snow swirled in a frenzy. With a heart pounding in my chest, I mustered the courage to confront the creature that had haunted my every waking moment. Armed with a flashlight and a camera, I ventured into the blizzard, determined to capture evidence of the elusive being that had invaded my world. And there, at the edge of the clearing, my flashlight's beam illuminated an imposing figure. Its features were obscured by the swirling snow, yet I felt its presence reverberate through my very being. In those fleeting moments as I snapped photos in the blinding storm, I knew that what I had witnessed defied all logic. In the aftermath, I shared my story with a trusted friend and a researcher who treated my experiences with raw honesty. Despite my initial hesitation, I knew I had to speak my truth. With conviction, I declared, Bigfoot is real, and I wouldn't lie about it. My account ignited a blend of fascination and skepticism among those who heard my tale, blurring the line between reality and the unexplainable. As I look out at the snow-covered expanse that surrounds my cabin, I am reminded that some mysteries are destined to remain hidden in the heart of the wilderness. The world may doubt my story, but I carry with me the knowledge that I have stared into the abyss and witnessed something that transcends understanding. The Alaskan wilderness is a place of wonder and terror, a realm where the line between reality and myth blurs, and the truth is as elusive as the creatures that roam its depths. Growing up, I remember my father telling me stories about his days as a logger. He was a strong, hardworking man, and he loved his job. But there was one story he would tell that always left me with a sense of unease, a story about a strange encounter he had in the woods. It was late autumn, and the logging season was coming to a close. My father and his crew were working hard to finish up their last few jobs before the winter snows arrived. One evening, as the sun dipped below the horizon, my father decided to head back to camp early to prepare dinner for the crew. As he drove along the winding forest road, he suddenly spotted a large, hairy man dart out of the woods and across the road just a few feet in front of his truck. My father slammed on the brakes, his heart racing in his chest as he tried to make sense of what he had just seen. The creature was massive, covered in thick, matted hair and running on two legs like a human, but with a speed and agility that seemed almost unnatural. As quickly as it had appeared, the creature vanished into the woods on the other side of the road. My father sat in his truck, his hands gripping the steering wheel tightly as he tried to process what he had just witnessed. He knew he couldn't keep this to himself, so he drove back to the logging site and told his fellow lumberjacks what had happened. To his surprise, many of them believed his story. They had heard whispers of strange creatures living in the woods, creatures that were not quite human, but not quite animal either. Together, they decided to form a search party and see if they could find any trace of the creature my father had encountered. 
Armed with flashlights and a sense of determination, they set off into the woods, following the path the creature had taken as it crossed the road. They searched for hours, their flashlights casting eerie shadows among the trees, but they found no sign of the creature. As the night wore on and the temperature dropped, they eventually decided to abandon their search and return to camp. My father couldn't shake the feeling that the creature was still out there, watching them from the shadows, but he knew there was little they could do to find it. The story of my father's encounter with the strange, hairy man spread throughout the logging community, and while some dismissed it as a tall tale or a trick of the light, others believed it to be true. My father never saw the creature again, but the memory of that night stayed with him for the rest of his life. As I grew older, I found myself wondering about the mysterious creature that had crossed my father's path all those years ago. Was it a figment of his imagination, or could it have been something more? I suppose I'll never know the truth, but the story remains a haunting reminder of the mysteries that still lurk within the depths of the forest. My brother is two years older, and we've probably spent 10,000 hours and then some in the woods together. Whether it was building Fort's BMX tracks to LARPing and hunting, We've traveled across the U.S. exploring caves, canyons, cliff diving, mountain biking, camping, hunting whitetail mule deer, wild boar, etc. since 2016 when we get the time off. I feel like adding this is important because there's genuinely nothing I wouldn't do or fear when I have him by my side, but this time was different, and we both felt it. We've had our fair share of adventures and stories to tell of all sorts, but this one has felt like a lingering stain on my memory. We were both mid-twenties-ish, and it was 2019, and this was probably my fifth time hunting the area and the first I brought my brother along. It's a large forest area of public land that has a few county roads which are basically two tracks that stretch miles throughout the area. We make the trip up in my truck with our tents, three in total, one for each of us and another to change in and keep our gear in. Without making this long-winded, we set up camp a couple miles from the truck, which we drove for quite a few miles through the trails. Basically middle of nowhere, nearest main road is probably 8-10 miles away. We arrived late in the night, set up camp and quickly fell asleep after a long trip. We then spent the next day scouting tracking, then made back to camp for the night. We cooked then ate, had some beers and bullshitted. The night was still early but we had a long day and decided to head off for the night. Everything up until this point was normal. I was suddenly awoke to something smacking my tent and hearing my brother's voice call my name. I knew something was off. I called back to him and he immediately unzipped my tent and made his way inside. I could tell he was disturbed when I went to ask him what's wrong and he immediately grabbed my shoulder and told me to shush. The sun wasn't up yet, so I think it was around 4.35ish a.m. We sat in my tent, and what we heard still confuses me to this day. I can only explain it as whale sounds. Different tones of extremely loud noise that I could feel throughout my body. It would come and go, but there would only be a few seconds of silence in between the sounds. It would vary from high-pitched squeals and everything in between to very low sounds that had literal ground-shaking reverb. I regrettably didn't think to grab my phone or record anything that was going on, because what I was hearing didn't seem real, and in the moment I was awestruck. 
The sound went on until daylight started to break. I believe it was about an hour, but I'm not really sure. Neither of us spoke, and at the time it felt like I could feel the energy around me almost like my body was covered in white noise, if that makes any sense. It wasn't even minutes after the sound stopped it started to rain and one of the craziest thunderstorms while I was camping happened. The forecast didn't predict or account for any rain the days we were going to be there prior to making the trip. All the stakes for the tent our gear was in completely ripped out of the ground and both of our tents had multiple stakes ripped out as well. Those things were drove into the ground with an axe and would take some insane force to unearth even a single one. My brother dismisses it and won't even talk about it saying it was just machinery being dragged. But at the time we both shared the same feeling of fear and dread. Just seems odd it was still the middle of the night and we were so far removed from any nearby community's industry to hear and experience this occurrence. I-27 female live in a small town in North Italy, a valley between our typical old mountains round shapes, covered in forest, not high, so just behind my home lots of hikes start. I always lived here and I like mountains, plus I'm getting in shape so the terrain is ideal especially because I'm really familiar with it. So, last summer I was walking my usual route when I thought I could try to have a short hike before sunset and took a route. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with Italian ground, but there aren't the big spaces and long distances typically of US, I imagine. Picture the average small town of 2,500 people, starting from bottom and a two-hour hike you're on top of the mountain and the route I took was about 30 minutes to arrive halfway the mountain to a big Christian cross and a nice view. I was with my dog, a well-trained Spitz, a nice company with good instincts that I trust. He's a working dog more than a pet, despite his size. So we took the path and start making our way up, nice and relaxed, but active as we didn't have too much light time left. I just figured that if light went low, I'd just turn around and head home no chances of getting lost. Woods immediately engulf us, pretty dense, but it's the norm. Not even 15 minutes of walking and I'm paralyzed with this overwhelming sense of dread. The woods are completely silent. My skin crawls up just thinking about it. Even my dog stops anxious. I just couldn't understand what was scaring me so much in the sudden silence. I couldn't move a muscle. I've read The Gift of Fear, and the only time I didn't listen to my guts, I lost my spleen in an accident. So wide-eyed and hyper-alert, I forced myself to move and noped out of there. It was like my brain was screaming, if you stay here, you'll die. Walking back, I couldn't stop the urge to continuously look behind me. At some point, I was practically running, and I kept thinking that if I sprained an ankle there, I would die. The dog seemed relieved when we had turned back, and he kept looking behind too. When we finally made it out of the woods and back on the road, I felt a wave of relief and ran all the way back home for the adrenaline I had. To this day, I don't know what happened and I haven't gone back. 